You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. There's a principle in physics that states that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. All of the energy that is is already here. It's just cycling in and out of things, transitioning in and out of form, in and out of our bodies. If you even think about the circle of life, this principle dictates the very containers in which we live, the cultures that we exist within. And even this concept of day and night, of seasons, of change and cycles that we all adhere to because we can see physical changes within the environment, for example, but there are also physical changes within our bodies that depend on the various cycles. And again, everything is changing and shifting. Energy is changing form. And right now we're approaching a new transition opportunity, a new change in life that we can take full advantage of. Every time a new year rolls around, it's presenting an opportunity cognitively, but also if we're talking about the very fabric of what life is made of, there's a change taking place. You know, our big blue, beautiful planet is spinning around the sun and we're adhering to the laws of the universe. And every time a year changes on the calendar, for many people, psychologically and physically, we feel a drive towards making a change. Now, most often the changes don't last that long. And so what I'm wanting to provide for you today is some insight, some empowerment, and some momentum for you to take with you as you move into this new year. And today you're going to hear from some of the most empowering thought leaders, best-selling authors, and educators in the world today, because this year in particular is very special. We're going into 2022 as of this recording. I know some people are listening to this in the future. Right now, you know, we have thousands of people who listen to the very first episode of the Model Health Show every single week, which is incredible, incredible. And thank you, everybody who's taken this ride along with me throughout these years. But this year in particular, at this moment, moving into 2022 is incredibly important because we want to make sure that 2022 isn't 2022. We want to make sure this is not like 2020 all over again. All right. That's 2022, or we can make this 2022 a new beginning, a new opening, a new opportunity for change, for growth, for success. And so to kick things off with a very important reminder of how powerful you are, how powerful your words are, how powerful your intention and attention truly are, we have best-selling author, and the founder of Agape International, Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith. He's here to kick off this important compilation of empowerment, insight, and inspiration for you to take into the new year. So oftentimes people are just casual with their conversations, not understanding that they're actually setting something in motion. You know, oh, my poor back. Oh, I don't like this person. You know, gossiping, uh, talking bad about themselves, even. They're setting things in motion. You know, so I like to say, I don't want to say what I don't want to experience. You know, I'm only, I want to say what I want to experience. So I'll, I'll, I'll say it's a magnificent day. Life is good. 
you know, there's a way out of this. There's an answer to this issue. There's a solution somewhere. You know, I'm going to stay there until that becomes flesh. But it's, it's practice because individuals, particularly now, people have normalized negativity. They've made fear popular. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's become, you're an oddball if, in fact, you're operating at a different level. They think you're just weird, you know. And so you'd rather be an oddball in a crazy world than to be normal in a crazy world, you know. Yeah, but, but I, I always caution people, you know, and I'll, I'll check people with, with me and say, well, wait a minute. You know, there's unlimited good here. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not here. Mm. There's unlimited possibilities. Don't block yourself in to what your mind thinks is possible. This is the only way that some good is going to come into your life. It becomes that's blocked. No good's going to come in. Infinite ways. Infinite ways can, miracles can happen. Your mind will call them miracles, but they're just demonstrations of truth. You know, so why block yourself in? Just, just stop it. Just say you don't know how it's going to happen right now. You're available to it. Let's see what happens. Let, let the universal presence through its laws shock and surprise you. Mm. <laughs> normalize that. Right, normalize that. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm literally just still ruminating on normalizing fear. Yeah. You know, that's, it's a system within us that, of course, has provided us value over our evolution, for sure. But today, to live in that state habitually... We've never, we, we're not wired up to live that way. We're not designed to be that way. And so even with so many folks having their aspirations, goals, you know, everybody listening right now has incredible potential to achieve things beyond our wildest imagination. Right. But I think so often, and fear being a big driving force of this, we get caught up in what if instead of what is. Mm -hmm. So how do we go from what if to what is? Yeah. Well, what if can also be used positively, mm. you know, what if everything works out, cool. you know, what if I have more than enough money, you, you can go there and you'll get to what is, because what is, is that right here and right now, all of the power, all of the presence, all of the intelligence, all of the love, all that is, is already here. It's already here. It may be latent within us, but it is here. And as we begin to think like that and and contemplate that truth, our frequency rises. We begin to hang in that in that awareness. Now, what has happened is that individuals have normalized fear, which means their attention is more on what they don't want than on what they do want. So what people don't understand is that anything you don't want, you're having a relationship with it. It's existing and you're not wanting it. And so people walk out, I don't want to be broke, I don't want to get sick, I don't, I don't want to correct the Rona, correct, I don't want to catch the coronavirus, I don't want to, I don't want to. So in that moment of I don't want to, the law doesn't distinguish between what you want and don't want. It only knows what you're interested in. And so if you're interested in not getting robbed, not getting poor, not catching a disease, you're in relationship with that. And then that's what you manifest. Now, it may not, you may not manifest that exactly, but your body temple doesn't know the difference. You'll still produce toxic chemicals, immediate toxic chemicals, immediate create the condition for disease. Uh, so I teach people 
You don't, you, you know, you get what you want or don't want. The law doesn't differentiate. So stop placing all of your attention on what you don't want to happen and begin to place your attention on what you like to see unfold in your life. Begin to describe it. You know, the law says, you know, you, you, don't, you don't describe what you see, you see what you describe. So if, if you're living in an in a accurate description of possibility, then the law starts to bring that into manifestation, you see. And, and now most people, people should be taught this in elementary school. Yeah. You know, but instead, you know, we have the nefarious forces that keep people in fear, you know, and, and keeping them all pumped up about what to be afraid of next. Oh, the Russians, oh, Corona, oh, aliens, oh, whatever, whatever it is. People, people are nervous, you know. We're not meant to be like that. We are, we are, we are an absolute reflection of the entire cosmos. What do we have to be afraid of? There's no such thing as death. You see, so there's no loss in the cosmic scheme, but everybody is, is, they've allowed themselves to shrink into being a little old something. And then they normalize their fear. You know, Shakespeare said, a coward dies a thousand deaths. Mm. Constantly, even before anything even happens. They've rehearsed all the negative stuff. <laughs> you know, it's not funny, but it is kind of a comedy, you know? what human beings do to themselves. What I see is that we're in the middle of a great awakening, you know, and you're seeing the crumbling of the old paradigm and you're seeing the emergence of what's happening new, both being both in the same space and the same time. You know, Newtonian physics, that can't exist. You can't have two objects in the same space, same time. But in quantum reality, you can have everything in the same space and the same time, but they're vibrating at different levels. So you have the old paradigm Fear, 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 worry, 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 lack, limitation, scarcity, not enough, not enough jobs, not enough this, not enough that. That's not real. That's made up, you know. And so what's happening is there's a crumbling of the old where people are going to be forced to really get a sense of who they are and, and, and stop leaning on external things like governments and politicians uh, and things of that particular nature. I mean, I, I tell people the only authority you have is the authority of your own conviction. That's the authority. You can't outsource your authority to someone out there. Those people work for you. You don't work for them. They work for you. And so your attention has to be on what kind of life you want to live and how that can assist you to live that life. Now, if you don't have a vision, then they're going to tell you what your vision is. Hmm. If you don't have your own possibility for your own life, then you're going to listen to these, these people, and they're going to run your life, you see. So the, the idea is that we're in a great awakening, uh, everything is shifting. The world of phenomena is, is moving really fast and there's an emergence taking place. There's people becoming more sovereign, people taking their authority back, uh, people that are saying, hell no. I mean, it's very similar to the vibration of during the Vietnam War when people woke up and said, whoa, wait a minute, we're going to go kill these people we don't know? Why? This is, what are we, why are we doing this? And nobody could give a, an answer. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a stream of consciousness that's happening and Again, you don't see it because it's not on the news, but there's many people mm -hmm. that are coming to an understanding that, that their own authority is here. It's their connection to the universe, not connection to a, a party, Republican, Democrat, Independent. You know, it's, it's, it's connected to something else. And you'll also notice these days that 
people that used to be diametrically opposed to each other are now sharing some of the same, they're in agreement with some of the same things. It used to be everything was black or white, Republican, Democrat. Now it's like, that guy over there, I agree with what he's saying. Mm. You know, so there's a... There's a, there's for, a for a growing number of people that's happening, yes. Yes, so there's a whole breaking down of what used to be black and white, this and that, to, hmm, this, this, there's something happening. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a precursor to something breaking down to something else emerging. We have our inner authority connected to the presence. You know, we begin to have a vision of the kind of world we want to live in. We start to walk in that direction. Again, the reporters are reporting from the old paradigm. We're seeking to report for something, from something new that's emerging. That means you have to see the invisible in order to do the impossible. You know, every great thing that's ever happened in life, it was invisible. Somebody saw it. Nobody. People, I remember when people used to say apartheid was going to be here forever. That was the thing. It's no way that, that these people are going to give up control and power. But it was, somebody saw it. And then one day, that was the new paradigm. Yeah. Berlin Wall came down. You know, that was never going to come down. So the, a lot of things we're dealing with now, the highest frequency always wins. That's a law. The highest frequency is more powerful than the lower frequency. A thought that emerges from a field of fear, worry, control, domination, manipulation has less power than a thought that's emerging from a field of love. Up next in our compilation of empowerment and creating momentum as we move into 2022, we have New York Times bestselling author and accelerated learning expert, Jim Quick. Jim and I have been friends for over a decade. And he's continued to add so much value to my life and so many incredible insights and so many lives we've been able to impact together collectively. I mean, going way, way back. It's got to be getting close to actually 15 years now. But he's one of my all-time favorite human beings. And in this clip, he's going to be sharing with you why it's important to take control of your mental algorithm. Just like we have these social media algorithms, these internet algorithms that are following us around and feeding us what we're attuned to, we also have a mental algorithm that we need to take control over. And also he's going to be sharing a way to help overcome the feelings of divisiveness that are rampant in our world right now. Let's check out this segment from my conversation with my amazing friend, Jim Quick. Part of self-care is realizing when you say yes to somebody or something, you're not saying no to yourself. Right. And a lot of people, they're burnt out because they have too many tabs open. Right. And it's still taking up a lot of space. It's requiring a lot of energy. People are over committing all the time to things that they can't fulfill on. And so there's a kind of a breach with your own, you know, your own uh, commitments and your own trust with yourself. Um, I would also say that, you know, part of self-care is is making the choice when you say yes to something like all that craziness that, you know, that's out there. Like, it's it's interesting. Like, a lot of us are on social media, right? And there is an algorithm to social media, clearly. <laughs> and, um, and, and one of the algorithms is whatever you engage with, you get more of, 
right? So if you just happen to be really into, you know, we mentioned this before, but cat videos or whatever, that you just engage, like, share, comment, watch all the cat videos, then they're going to show you a lot more cat videos. And that's going to be your perception. That's going to be your newsfeed. Well, your mind has a similar algorithm. Whatever you're consistently engaging with, they're going to show you more of. And, you know, media marketing knows this. They, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. If, if something is threatening, you know, uh, your part of your brain, let's say it's, you know, the amygdala gets, you know, hijacked and you have to pay attention because that's your survival. Um, so you have to pay attention to what's dark, threatening and scary. Uh, and the challenge is if that's what you're engaging with, just like the cat videos, they're going to show you more of it. Your mind is going to see literally in your observation and your perception more of that darkness, scariness, the threatening things, because that's what you're engaging with. You're training your nervous system saying this is important. And the challenge, though, is that leaves you very little bandwidth for hope. That leaves you very little bandwidth for opportunity. That leaves you very small bandwidth for solutions, you know, for the things, leaves you less bandwidth for gratitude, the things you can be grateful for. And so just remind it with care, you know, part of it is just, you know, it's like self-love. It's falling in love with that person in the mirror that's been through so much, but is still standing and making self-care a priority for you, your family, you know, your team also, also as well. And, uh, you know, that's why we're always feeding our minds with, uh, with great podcasts like, like yourselves, with, with books, with great conversations and, and people. So, uh, and, and again, it could be 10 minutes, just like the other ones. It could be just like going for a 10 minute walk with your dog that day, you know, something that, cause little by little, a little becomes a lot. So the question here would be like, um, how can you take some of your time, your talent, your treasure to make a difference? You know, I, I think, you know, when we're making a difference, it, it's something that gives us, it gives us fulfillment. It gives us joy. And, uh, and again, these, these are, these are emotions that could drown out the, the fear and the negative self-talk and, you know, all those sensations where we feel immobilized, uh, it gives us our power back again. You know, this is a lot of this conversation is about getting your agency back because when we're in fear, we feel like we're at the effect. We feel like we're a thermometer. A thermometer just reacts to the environment. And as human beings, sometimes we react to the environment. We react to politics, we react to what's going on in the world, the, 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 uh, the economy, how people treat us. But in actuality, the, the strongest, most successful, happiest, fulfilled people, the ones that have joy, they identify more with the thermostat. The thermostat doesn't react to the environment. It gauges. So you be a thermostat. Gauge. Know what's going on in the world, right? But then, you know, you, you set a temperature and the environment reacts to you. Right. And uh, you set a goal, you set a vision for what you want to do, a mission, you know, how you want to disrupt things and, and make things better and then and then make it the way you see it. So if you feel fear, what do you need to do to feel like that you're you're prepared? And I think that skills, those knowledge, those abilities will give you more courage. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I love that question because this is using the, this innate ability of the mind to answer any question we pose it. Hmm. To just take a moment to just grab the reins of our mind just a little bit, grab the wheel and ask, what is this fear trying to teach me? What is this fear instructing me about? Yeah. And we, even from that place, we can start to break down. Oftentimes it becomes an irrational thing. You right. know, we can break down and identify what it really is that, that might be bothering us. But oftentimes it's also creating the opportunity to develop a certain capability. Very much right? so. So it could be a capability or capacity of resilience, of, of creativity. Mm -hmm or of being able to perspective take to see things from different dimensions, whatever the case might be. So yeah. these are all very, 
powerful. So if people have a fear of, of money, maybe they, you know, that, that that's a signpost to say, hey, I need to get some financial literacy. You know, if people have a fear of numbers, they could take something. If they have a fear of forgetting things, they could do a memory course. You know what I mean? Like there's things that the people could do. If you have a fear of, you know, uh, starting a relationship because they have had trauma in the past or they're dealing with you know, some self-esteem issues, you know, maybe it's, you know, taking a course or reading something, you know, and that, that knowledge and those skills and abilities help us to level up. I would actually add just in this, in the, in the spirit of this conversation, I would, I would add a sixth one, um, you know, because I want to be really abundant here in a, in a time of, of, of fear, potentially. Um, what's that fear of like the, the, what's the acronym? False evidence appearing real, right? Uh, community. You want to get you want to get out of fear, you know, be part of something, you know, and, and that's like a hunter gatherer, right? And you have a village and it takes a village, but you know, people have your back, right? Um, like you and your, your community. Um, and it's one of those things where it's just, those are the people that would survive. It wasn't the, it wasn't the lone hunter, right? And so everything kind of comes back to that. And again, fear is, it could be a good thing, right? Now, if you have a fear, it just, you know, like, I mean, it could save your life, right? Being fearful of, uh, you know, falling falling off of a cliff, or be able to, you know, fearful of do you get, you know, we wear your seatbelt, you wear, do you do certain things. But the challenge is irrational fear, you know, which is happening a lot, where people know that fear is is, is one of the most powerful ways and pro- powerful and proven ways to manipulate people uh, to do to do things they wouldn't normally do, you know, unless their you know their their survival brain was was on alert. Yeah. So community, um, people ask, you know, that African proverb, you know, if you want to go faster, you go alone. If you want to go further, go together, right? How do you become limitless in a limited world? We do it together. And that's the only way. Yeah. Uh, so good. So good. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into community because yeah. I think that this is an underutilized superpower, like especially when you're facing a larger than life villain. You know, you get a Thanos situation. Yeah. You know, it's a SARS-CoV Thanos showing up. Yeah. You get the Avengers together for a situation like this. You don't try and do it yourself. Yeah. So what can folks look to if they're feeling like, and I know a lot of folks are feeling this way, that they're kind of cut adrift. You know, a lot of folks are having issues with their with their family, mm-hmm. with their, you know, coworkers, whatever yeah. the case might be, based on their sense of sovereignty right. and, you know, their own personal choices and freedoms, whatever the case might be. Or you know maybe they're they're uh, participating in the 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 change that's going on you know the the mandates but they just feel like hey I believe that everybody should be able to make their own decisions whatever the case might be but even going a little bit outside of the dictator type narrative people are feeling like they're at odds with other people so what can folks do to kind of galvanize and mm-hmm. get together with a community of like minded people who are not here to, to necessarily fight against something because ultimately and I got to share this I don't I don't think that we're fighting against each other I think that's the framing of the media making yeah. us hate each other we're divisiveness really, yeah. for sure Wonderful we're really fighting idea. together against idiocy I think that's one of the, the things that we're fighting against but ultimately we're, we're fighting for the spirit and the souls of, of people you know that intangible universal timeless thing about us and understanding our place in all this, you know, right now I think we're very short-sighted, and I think that that's what we're really fighting for. We're fighting for freedom of thought. We're fr- fighting for human potential, you know. So I just want to share that little nugget. But what can folks do right now to kind of cultivate and get get themselves plugged into community when they might feel like they're a little bit cut adrift and alone? 
Yeah, I think this is a very important conversation. That if somebody is listening to this right now and they're 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 fearing, feeling alone, um, they feel if they feel isolated, if they f- somehow feel marginalized, you know, it's um, you're, you're not. First of all, that person is not alone, right? Because there are so many people who are feeling the same way, uh, without a doubt. And sometimes it can be tough when we're going through trauma, um, you know, or depression or an anxiety and you know, and you know, we and we all go through different stages. I think everybody is fighting a battle that no one knows about. That's why I think now more than ever, kindness is important. You know, that kindness is a real superpower. Um, you know, I was saying before is just it's important to if you haven't found that community or that person to be able to back you or support you or just just be there, is to just to be that person for somebody else. So I think we we always we should be giving the thing that that we sometimes need the most. Um, you know, I think also part of it has to do with acknowledging that, you know, that it's okay to feel this way. Um, and then, cause I think self-awareness is the starting point for anything. You need to be consciously aware that something is going on. Um, and then you need to sometimes take a little bit of courage. I, I saw this movie recently. I didn't really watch it cause I had it in the background, but it's with, with Matt Damon. It was, uh, we bought a zoo. Yeah, you, you see this movie, but there's this there's this quote, this line that just kind of struck me when I was listening to it. Um, something like, you know, all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage, you know, and I promise you, you know, something something amazing and profound, will, you know, will come from it. And so sometimes knowing that asking for help is not a sign of um, of weakness. That certainly it's, it's certainly a sign of courage and it's a sign of strength. Um, now and so I would say acknowledge that you're you know in this place um, and then try to uh, make a decision going back to choice saying that um, you know I want to be able to serve somebody else and by through service you could connect Um, and that's how a lot even I met a lot of the people like you know growing up immigrant parents and everything else like that we didn't have connections and everything but i would i would serve i would serve i would i would, I would be active parts in, in charities and fundraisers and allowed me to connect and get out of my own mind and my own heart and my own fears when i was you know going through my you know ch- challenges like everybody has so i would i would say seek community that there are there are people out there that that you fit in with for me i was looking for my my x-men you know for, for people that just were just kind of little weird and, and different and little mutants, you know, like, like myself. But a lot of people are, you know, feeling like this is endgame, you know, and I'm not saying we have to, you know, you have to be the Hulk and Iron Man and, 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 and the Scarlet Witch, but I would say, you know, make a decision to connect with people, you know, and it's that, it's that simple, but it's that difficult sometimes too. So I'll acknowledge that also as well. It's tough, you know, especially when it's family and friends, you know, because they're doing, they're acting, you know, if they're acting a certain way and sometimes they're, you know, their intent is uh, positive, but they can be sincerely wrong with how they're, they're approaching things, you know, and so it, it's a big challenge right now. And I think now more than ever, we, you know, it's about creating your own team, T-E-A-M, together everyone achieves more, right? Together everyone achieves miracles. Now, as mentioned, Jim Quick is an accelerated learning expert who teaches masterful speed reading, improving memory, and also teaching people how to think, not just what to think, but also how to think and really access the capacity of our amazing brains. And he's also been somebody that I've seen firsthand really dial in and share with people, all the millions of people that he impacts, the importance of taking care of our brain's health through our nutrition. 
And one of the foundational things that is so overlooked in our world today, again, this is a foundational thing that our brain is built upon. Number one, our brain is mostly water. Upwards of 80% of the human brain is made of water. But of the dry weight of the human brain, and we're talking about the construct of dietary fats that we might bring in, and also our brain creates its own fats from the raw materials that it gives us. But something that is incredibly important for the very communication of all of our brain cells resides in the electrolytes, because these electrolytes are minerals that carry an electric charge, enabling signal transduction, enabling our brain cells to actually talk to each other. Not only that, one of the most important electrolytes, sodium, actually helps to maintain water balance in the brain. And so if we're deficient in sodium, some really negative things can start to take place. Researchers at McGill University found that sodium functions as a, quote, on-off switch in the brain for specific neurotransmitters that support optimal function and protect our brain against numerous diseases like epilepsy, for example. So this is not only improving function, but also protecting our brain from degradation. Very, very important. Another electrolyte, magnesium. This is from a double-blind placebo-controlled study published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease found that improving magnesium levels in adult test subjects, and these folks were between the ages of 50 and 70, could potentially reverse brain aging by over nine years, improving the form and functionality of the human brain in later years, in advanced years. This would be unheard of, but it's a very simple science. It's giving the brain what it actually needs to create tissues, to create conductivity and communication. And give yourself the gift of better brain health in 2022. As a matter of fact, this is a true gift because you're going to get to try my favorite electrolytes for free. The electrolytes that I utilize with the right combination of magnesium, of sodium, of potassium, the right ratios is from Element. That's L-M-N-T. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash model and they're going to send you a variety pack right to your doorstep for free. All you need to do is pay a little shipping. They're going to send you this incredible electrolyte formula right to your front door. No binders, no fillers, no added sugar, just the electrolytes that your body can utilize to thrive. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash model for your free sample. And if you've been on Element already, this is a time to re-up. Get yourself stocked up on Element as we move into 2022. Now, moving on in our compilation here of inspiration and creating momentum as we head into the new year, we have on somebody who is a real-life close friend of mine. I see her all the time. I actually just saw her this weekend. She's a best-selling author and founder of the Institute of Transformational Nutrition, ITN. I'm talking about none other than Cynthia Garcia. This is one of my favorite moments of 2021, one of the most inspirational moments. And that's really what this compilation is. Some of the most inspirational moments for me personally as well. And in this conversation, she's going to be sharing why our identity is at the very root of all of our choices. Our choices are literally creating our life. It's creating the results in our life. But it stems from our thoughts, create our choices. But our thoughts are stemming from our identity, our beliefs, our beliefs about ourselves, our beliefs about the world around us as well. So again, she's going to talk about why our identity is at the root of all of our choices. And also, she's going to be sharing why shifting our story is the real key to sustainable change and success moving forward. Check out this clip from the amazing Cynthia Garcia. 
It's definitely been a volatile time and a lot of people were thrown out of their comfort zone. And that resulted in a lot of things. As you know, we saw issues with mental health skyrocket, suicide rates skyrocketed. People were at home with nothing but their thoughts and their feelings and their emotions. And it's funny, I had a friend of mine call me up. She was also a, a coaching client. And she was like, I just need something to do. And I was busy at the time. And I said, I'll just watch something on Netflix. And she said, I finished it. I was like, what? Like all of Netflix, <laughs> you just finished it. But what, and we did that, right? We Netflix, we did all the things. Um, but then at some point that gets old and it's just us and our thoughts and our feelings about ourselves, about our past, about where we're going or what we're doing or where we're not going or what we're not doing, right? And so I think what's happening now is we've had a bit of time to get some perspective um, and to really look at our lives and to reevaluate what are we doing and, and what what is this one precious life going to be for us? Um, but you're right not to get off track because we do have stories that we've created and been telling since you know we were children. And we know through narrative psychology, which is kind of the study of how we tell ourselves these stories, that we make up stories to explain things that happen to us. And then we just decide that they're true. And then those stories become rooted as beliefs. You know, people like to think, oh, your thoughts create your reality. Um, spoiler alert, they don't. <laughs> it's your beliefs that actually create your actions, your thoughts, your responses to things. And so when we look at changing our lives, and when we try to do that through just changing our thoughts, it's not sustainable long term because that's right. not where the real action is coming from. It's coming from these deep-seated beliefs. Unfortunately, um, we, our success, our happiness, our health is all determined by those stories. And until we learn how to rewrite them for good, we're stuck. We're stuck in these perpetual cycles, right? Mm -hmm. Starting, stopping, starting, stopping. And so here we are. This is so true because if we really look at it for ourselves and also in the lives of other people mm -hmm. during this time, when, especially when we're under pressure, and I remember it was Wayne Dyer who made the analogy, you know, when when you squeeze an orange, what comes out of it, mm. right? It's yeah. going to be orange juice. It's right. going what's going to come out is what's in it. Right. What happens when life squeezes you? Right. What's going to come out of it? It's what's right. already in you. So during this time, I, I believe that warriors worried, mm -hmm. fighters fought, mm -hmm. people who were you know empaths, empathed, <laughs> you know they felt, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's because of our our pre existing experiences and what we bring forward. You know, I do believe that some of this is in our DNA, mm -hmm. but I also believe that humans are not just a product of our environment. We're creators of our environment. We're creators of our experience. Yeah. We can choose to be more of a fighter. We can choose to be more of a worrier. Mm -hmm. We can choose to be more empathetic. You know, these are all things that we can kind of cultivate. So with that being said, how do the stories that we tell ourselves outpicture themselves into the world around us? Mm, that's such a great question. So and, and before like we dive into that, I also want to say like what you said is so true. You know, when we were alone, we did these things empaths, empath, they felt, you know, like we all kind of did our default response. The other really interesting thing that was happening is that we found ourselves again coming face to face with ourselves. And you know, when we're out and about, like when we're all hanging out, we have mirror neurons, right? And, and you know this, it's just brain science. So if you, if I show up to your house and you're kind of in a crummy mood, 
I'm going to feel that and my neurons want to mirror that, right? It's why they say, you know, you are the an average of the five people you spend the most time with because it's true. And so what we do in groups oftentimes is we'll say, well, what do you think? Or we'll go along with like mm-hmm. the group consensus or, you know, even if we want to do something different and somebody says, let's go to a movie, we go to a movie, right? Because we don't want to upset the apple cart, so to speak. And so we weren't able to do that. And so a lot of people were left wondering like, well, what do I want? What do I want to eat? What, what do I want to do? Do I like this podcast? Or do I actually like this movie that I'm watching on Netflix? Do I like this person I'm with? Do I like this person I'm with, mm. right? And so we had to really have those hard conversations. And for a lot of us, that was almost too hard at times. You know, that's where the mental health concerns came in. But, but you're right. Our stories, the things that make them so powerful is we're not always aware of them. The majority of the time, we're not aware of them. So it's kind of like an iceberg, right? Like 10% of it is above water, but those 90% just kind of run. And we don't always notice them, but they are having a huge impact on our decisions. So here's what people don't always think about. And again, it's just neuroscience. Um, When you're given an opportunity you'll just make a decision immediately and that's done unconsciously through your stories or you'll take an action unconsciously right and then you'll logically back it up with what you just did which was driven by these old stories these old beliefs that you had right so we like to think we're making decisions when we're not what's happening is we made a decision when we were seven or eight years old and that's running the show now and you're just thinking that you're actually in the driver's seat and you back it up with logic and reason and you do those things. But it's so important and that's why it's so important um, to know how to go back and rewrite these old stories. Because if you don't, you're forever trapped with an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a 12-year-old's stories running your life. And I don't I don't know about you, you were probably super evolved at that age. I was not. <laughs> I was not no. at that level. So, it's not a good idea. You know, we have limiting beliefs that keep us stuck and yeah. and but again, the good news is we can rewrite them. So, I, I want to ask you about how do we actually what are some steps that we can take to begin to change the story that sure. we that may be disempowering us? Yeah. Is there anything that folks can start to look to even today, starting now, to start to change those stories? Oh, yeah. There, there's so much we can do. And um, you're right. It's funny. I think a lot of us think our stories are normal, you know? Just like in health, people will eat something that they have a food intolerance for, right? Eggs, uh, you know, you know all the common things. And 7-Eleven nachos <laughs> with chili and cheese. Well, I mean, you went there. For example. <laughs> for example, <laughs> Yes. And then they'll be like, well, my stomach hurts, but that's normal for me. That's just normal. Do you hear anyone say, like, I've had so many clients be like, that's just what happens every time I eat beans or whatever, right? And you're like, okay, but that's actually not normal. And so I think a lot of us do the same thing with our stories. Like I'm writing my memoir now, which is where a lot of this research came into play because people, if you looked at where I came from and you looked at the life I have and people do, they'll say, well, how did you, how? Like how, how did you get from there to hear from this, you know, little girl who went to school in dirty clothes and smelled in the Appalachian Mountains um, to, you know, living a pretty cool life now and hanging out with cool folks like you. Um, and it really is through rewriting my stories. And as I went back and I was, I'm again, writing my memoir, it's funny, I turned in this story um, 
because I don't know if I've told you this either. So at one time when I first moved to LA, I was homeless. There's like this whole story behind it. But I wrote this for my editor and I sent it to her and she was like, this is so crazy. And I'm like, is it? I don't, we just become accustomed mm -hmm. um, to our normal, right? But you can change those things. So your question was how, how do we change that? So I created this method because my head is kind of all over the place and I need things in systems and frameworks and boxes and checklists. That's how I live my life. And so there's an acronym and it's STORY. It's the, called the Stuck Story Coaching Method. It helps you get unstuck from your stories, rewrite a new one, create a life so good you're only jealous of yourself, right? So STORY is an acronym because again, that's the way my mind makes sense of things. And the S is for stuck. So what that means is, what are you stuck around right now? What is something that you want in your life that you don't have? Um, and that could be anything. It could be a better relationship. It could be a relationship in general, any mm -hmm. kind of relationship. It could be, I want more money. I want to be healthier. I want to lose weight. It, it could be anything. Um, what is that thing that you want? Um, and then T is the belief. So why do you believe that you can't have it, right? So let's say you're stuck around money. Let's say you wanna make more money. You know you're worth more, you're just not getting it, um, and you're stuck. So the belief, which is the T, might be like, eh, money's for other people, not for me, right? So I'll use myself as an example. When I grew up, again, was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. My parents would often say things like, money doesn't grow on trees, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's for other people, not for us. So my belief around money might be that, well, that's for other people. Right? That's for other people. Great. So now that we have that, what we want to do is the O, and that's the original event. So where did this belief come from? And we're going to time travel a little bit because a belief is nothing more than an equation. It's made up of three E's. It's made up of the event that happened, the explanation, the meaning that you gave it, and the emotion that you felt when you did. Okay, so let's say um, I remember back in time where I had this dress that I wanted and I had this little dress that I wanted to wear this little school dance and I go to my mom and I say, gosh, I really, I really, really want this dress. I'll do anything. Can I just get this dress? And uh, she says, no, we're not the kind of people that have money for that. You know, that's not for you, right? Let's just say she says that. Uh, or let's just say she didn't even wasn't even that clear let's just say she was like no what money doesn't grow on trees we can't afford that no you, you can't have that dress the event that happened was I asked for the dress and she said no but the explanation I gave it was oh that's not for me that's for other people right that's where that like I don't deserve it I don't it's not for me it's for other people so that's the original event and then the the explanation i gave was again it's for other people the emotion that i felt was probably disappointment probably um hurt uh pain and so i said earlier we say that our thoughts create a reality and they don't uh, the the beliefs do and the difference is a thought with heavy emotion tied to it that becomes a belief and that emotion is what anchors it into your sub your subconscious that's where we decide that this is true for me and i'll spend my the rest of my life proving it so right i mean thoughts we have sixty thousand thoughts a day if they really did determine our lives we'd all be a little <laughs> little loopy right now it's our beliefs that do that so i know where i'm stuck 
I know the thought that, oh, money's for other people, not for me. I know the event that happened and, and where that came from now, right? And now we get to the R, which is rewriting it. Really simple, because all we have to do, Sean, is we just have to be able to give a different explanation to the event that happened, right? And then we'll feel different, so the emotions are different. So let's say I went back in time and I said, gosh, um, that explanation that I gave my mom saying, no, you can't get this dress, um, wasn't true. And it was that, um, you know, she wanted to get it for me as a gift later and surprise me with it. Now, that may or may not be true, but here's the cool thing. It doesn't matter. Mm. You know this. Your brain doesn't know the difference between something happening straight in front of you and something that you're just making up, right? So, for example, do you ever get into an argument with someone? You probably haven't because you're just a better person than I am. <laughs> but do you ever get into an argument with someone and then... I mean, 12 hours later, you're still replaying it and you're thinking of the things you should have said. You know? And if given the opportunity, you will say those things, right? It's like you've got this loop going on. You're like planning your attack. What happens in your body? You feel the feelings. Right? Your mm -hmm. adrenaline's going. You're like, let's go. <laughs> no, let's go, Angie. And so that's an example of your mind not knowing that Angie's not there and you're not about to throw it out, right? Like in your head, you're ready to go. And so your body responds appropriately. Your mind's like, yeah, this is really happening. Let's respond to that. So the same is true for these stories. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. It just has to be different. So I'm just going to go with my mom was a great mama and she was going to surprise me with this dress later. And that's why she said no. Well, now what emotions do I feel? Well, happiness, love, I feel cared for. So the belief as it existed before that this isn't for me, this is for other people, it can't exist because again, a belief is an equation, an event that happened, the explanation and the emotion. So if the explanation has changed and the emotion is different, all that's left is an event where my mom said no to me wanting a new dress. Do you see how that works? Yeah. So now there's no more story. And also, if I can throw this in here as well, this is so powerful by the way, mm -hmm. but even within the explanation, I'm thinking about so a similar scenario and then you know maybe the you change the explanation to being mm -hmm. and this base being based on a factual occurrence that happened to me I was told that this isn't for me so that I can grow myself and have this transformation yeah. and to create the opportunity to have those things that I always wanted that I wouldn't have had that kind of fire had I not had a life of not enough or I'm not enough right you're good at this game. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yahtzee. I've never played Yahtzee you before. Know. But, oh, um, no. <laughs> poor man's Yahtzee. Yeah, it's true, though. You can give any explanation that you want. Because remember, it's your story. You're the only one that's decided that it's true, right? And here's another great explanation. And heaven knows I've used this one from time to time. Maya Angelou used to say, she would say, baby, you ain't even in it. You ain't even in it. Right. And this really comes in handy when we go back and we find stories that are really tough to rewrite, Sean. You know, like when I go back and I try to rewrite stories around being abused as a child, man, I don't know. How do I explain that? Like, what's the explanation I give for that? And here's what I give. I'm not even in it. It has nothing to do with me. I just happened to be the one that was there. 
it was all that person and that person had some stuff going on and I can't even begin to know what that was and it doesn't matter right I could dive into psychoanalyzing them and being like well they were abused when they it doesn't matter right that's none of my business that's that's nothing I'm not even in it and that's the explanation and that's enough to set me free from that story so that I can go write a new one does that make sense yeah Yeah. So it's all in how we decide. It's the meaning that we give to things. I'm telling you, as you go home today, somebody pulls out in front of you, you can lose your mind and you can be like, you son of a feather, like whatever you want to do. Or you can be like, wow, I hope that guy's family is okay and there's not an emergency going on, right? You get to choose in every moment. Once you rewrite your story, that brings us to the why in the story, which is your new identity right? Your identity. Um, Identities are so powerful and they really do run our lives. So as I said earlier, we make up these stories. Like I made up a story, I'm not special. That becomes my identity, right? Um, And my identity for a long time was this poor girl, again, from the Appalachian Mountains who wasn't very educated, whose own family didn't like her, which meant, you know, how could anyone else? right? That was my identity for a long time. It's not anymore. And you get to choose. So when you go back to where you're stuck, I mean, and we said we want more money, who would the person that has the money that you want, how would they act, right? How would they show up every day? Would they sleep in? Would they get up and eat some Cheerios? Would they Netflix for a couple of hours? Would they be on Instagram? For another app, probably not, right? They're probably up and they're probably about their business, right? So you create a new identity. And again, the beauty is you get to choose. No one yeah. tells you, no, you can't be that. Um, some examples of identities like Kobe Bryant, Black Mamba, right? Muhammad Ali, when he was in the ring, he was the king of the world, right? Like that's who, that was his identity. Remember when Beyonce created Sasha Fierce? Mm. Eminem created Slim Shady. I'm on a music kick right now. But we do this. We create these identities. And then what did all of these people do? They acted as if that's who they were. You know, I'm sure when Kobe went home, he wasn't like black mom and his little baby. You know, he was Kobe. (laughs) He was dad. He was, you know. But on the court, he was very much that identity. And so you get to choose, right? Choose your new identity and then act as if. Feel as if right? You have to show up, like surround yourself as if you're already, as if you already have the money that you say you want or the relationship or whatever it is, because that will, of course, bring that in. And the other thing that people get caught up on is how, how do I get the money? Like, right? How do I get healthy, Sean? I've tried this thing. It doesn't, how? When you shift your identity and you just become the person that is, that has the money that you want or has the body or the health, it's amazing. Your mind will open to new thoughts, ideas, programs, products that you wouldn't have even thought about before because that wasn't the identity. Maybe you weren't resourceful before in your identity and now you are. So all these new options about the how will all of a sudden appear before you and then you get to choose. Now, as mentioned, Cynthia is also the founder of the Institute of Transformational Nutrition, the premier health coaching institute in the world. What really sets them apart is it's not just the education around health and wellness. It's 
the education around creating a sustainable business, doing something that you love. If you are passionate about service, about helping other humans, whether you are already in the healthcare field or you're just passionate about health and wellness, or maybe you're in the fitness domain, what really sets ITN apart, just in a whole different stratosphere, is learning from a myriad of experts on how to actually take this education and to create a sustainable business doing work that you love. How can you actually make a dollar and make a difference? And if you're passionate about health, but you want to transition that into one-on-one coaching or group coaching or writing a best-selling book or being a television personality, the list goes on and on and on. There's so many different domains that the experts at ITN have done firsthand and taught countless tens of thousands of folks to be able to do these things as well. It's just nothing else is even close. If you want 2022 to be the year that you really do tune in to your passion for health and wellness and start making a difference and also just up-leveling things, sustaining your own livelihood in a powerful way and being able just to do things that you enjoy in your life in a world that is so turbulent, taking ownership of your own time, your own schedule, your own finances, and your own health, this is the time to do it. Go to themodelhealthshow.com forward slash ITN. You can find out more information about the Institute of Transformational Nutrition. But moving forward here in our compilation, we've got somebody else who's just a powerhouse. She really, again, paved her own way. She was able to carve out her own niche within a very crowded field of folks who are financial experts. And she had a traditional education and her life just built up in a certain way very early, but then just came crumbling down and she had to rebuild things, but do this from a place of asking, what does she really want? And to rebuild in a bigger way than she ever had before, to be in this television personality, you know, uh, repeatedly featured on places like the Steve Harvey show, for example. But she's even parlayed that more recently into being a, just an overall force of empowerment and a voice of inspiration for folks, regardless if it's in the financial domain or just in life in general. So many wonderful gifts. I received an overwhelming amount of messages from this episode. I was just blown away. Even my team was like, this episode just like knocked my socks off. And I'm talking about best-selling author and speaker, Patrice Washington. And in this clip, she's going to be sharing with you the importance of breaking free from the idea of accomplishing things by yourself and also the importance of cleaning up your relationships and cleaning up your environment. So check out this clip from the amazing Patrice Washington. I decided to talk more about people because I think we underestimate the power of people in our lives. I think, again, we're kind of taught to just like make it happen. And so that feels very individual. It feels very, you know, like I'm I'm going to do in my strength and my power, all these things. And we don't realize that greatness cannot be created in isolation. Yeah. And anything that we want to be great in is going to require the support of others, period. It doesn't matter what it is. Anything that we want to be great in is going to require the support of others. And in my life, in my career, I know that one of the The biggest things for me early on is that I didn't know how to ask for help. I think I mentioned that earlier. I didn't know how to ask for support. I used to see it as a sign of weakness. I think many people do. And now we feel like there's so much available to us, we should be able to figure it out. But what I've learned 
over, you know, the last decade or so is that why why do you want to figure it out by yourself when there's so many people um, around you who can help you shorten that learning curve? Like, I want to get to things sooner, quicker, faster. I'm not trying to work harder than I have to. You know how to do it? Hey, like, I'm just going to ask. And I used to be afraid to ask, but I've built that muscle. At the same time, I've also learned to run any answer through that filter of alignment for myself so that I'm not just taking advice, you know, and, and just immediately applying it because sometimes you have to learn to reject advice that's not in alignment with your assignment. So although it might have worked well for my mentor, for my coach, for my, you know, accountability partner, for my spouse, still has to make sense for me. And I still have to be in touch, right? In tune enough with myself to make sure that it makes sense. But it doesn't stop me from asking. It doesn't stop me from asking. And everything that I've gotten, just think about how I'm here now. I couldn't have pitched myself to be on your show. I really couldn't have just pitched myself all cold and been like, hey, I wrote this book. I'd really love to be on, right? Because we get pitches all day, every day, right? But building a relationship with your wife, who I had no idea was your wife. It's just this nice lady that I talk to, right? From time to time, we touch base in in the DMs. I had never been to her page, hadn't seen your face at all. Had never been to her page, but it was just building relationship, building rapport. And now this person whose book I suggested for a pod club, because I wanted to read it and I was like, we gonna read it together. Now I'm sitting here with you two years later, right? That has been my experience over Mm. and over and over again. So when people say, how did you go from sleeping on your brother's couch when you first moved to Atlanta to, this is years ago, 2009, to being on the couch with Dr. Oz or with Steve Harvey or with this person, never a pitch, never a pitch. Every single thing that has come has come because of some relationship. And so even when people are like, how do you make that happen? If you're doing this, I don't know, because I don't force nothing. I don't have to, right? I just have to keep showing up, treating people well, not treating people as if they're your ticket to something, because you know we love that, right? Do you remember when people were like, oh my gosh, if I just meet Oprah, my whole life's gonna change. And their whole marketing plan, business strategy was to meet Oprah. And meanwhile, they neglected all of the people in their sphere of influence, all of the people that they could reach out and touch, they neglected, they didn't respect. We want more clients, but we don't take care of our current clients, right? We we want more opportunities, but we're not really taking care of the ones we have. Why do you want more of that? So you can ruin more relationships? So you can leave a string of people out there that can't stand you? Right. <laughs> like, what's Becomes that the board? bridge burner, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right? This, wow. this is the way that I say this. There's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. But who are they watching you be? All right, that's it. That, we're done. We're done. <laughs> now, I've got so many other things. That That's powerful. I hope everybody really sits with that one. Hit the little back button and play that again. That's so powerful. Um, I want to ask you about this one because with people you talk about, and this is going to seem Captain Obvious, but this is the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Mm-hmm. Are you doing it? Surround yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. I think a lot of us have loyalty to relationships that have expired. I think a lot of us romanticize 
relationships that have run their course. And so we stay loyal to people, whether that be family, friend, or foe. We stay loyal to people that really should not have such proximity to us anymore. And so when you don't naturally have support, encouragement, whatever it is that you need, you need to go create it. It's your job to go curate the community that you need. We're not all born into it. Some people are best friends with their siblings. Wonderful. If you're not, go find <laughs> go find your people. And that looks like, you know, putting yourself in spaces where people want to speak the same language or where, you know, whether that's the language of money or healthy relationships or healthy eating or whatever. Go around people who can speak the language that you want to speak, right? The, be what you want to be. It's not enough to be like, my family doesn't support me. Okay. Lots of people come from families that don't support them. So what are you doing about it? Then you go, well, you know, have you invested in a coach or mentor? I'm not paying people for that. Okay, well, what do you want? <laughs> right? Where is it going to come from? Yeah. Because if you don't have it naturally, it's your duty to go and find your people. And I've been finding my people since I was like 19 years old. I would go to just conferences. My friends were not checking for me back then, right? I was cool. I could party. I went to University of Southern California. I had a wonderful time. And I would go, do you guys want to go to this seminar on stocks and investments? No response. Nobody. <laughs> I had one friend. I went to pick her up and she didn't even answer the door. So I went by myself and I met my people. I met people since I was 19 years old that I still know to this day, still Facebook friends with, right? Still have relationship with. I went and found people who could help me get to my next. And the thing is, you don't always know what next is. You're not gonna know until you allow yourself to be exposed, right? So if it's not in your environment, you have to put yourself in places where you could be exposed to new ideas, new thoughts, new people, new opportunities. It doesn't happen at the house. And speaking of at the house, this gets to the next pillar, which is space. Yeah. That's another big one. There's so many good nuggets in here with space. Uh, one of the things you talk about is, <laughs> I mean, it's just really simple. Get it together. <laughs> so let's talk about space. What do you mean with this one? So space is about setting up your environment to support you. So we hear all the time, Time is money. We hear that, right? We don't realize how much time we actually waste because our spaces are not set up to support us. So many of us, I know you moved a couple years ago cross country. I moved cross country. People are moving. They are doing all types of things. And what we do is take things with us from season to season that no longer serve us. And we don't realize the impact that has on our energy. We don't realize how it actually drains us. We don't realize how it blocks us from creativity because all of that stuff creates an energy, right? And we think sometimes, I know with my old house in California, it, but it's beautiful, right? And it's, it's put away neatly. So don't think clutter is like, oh, hoarders. Cause that's what we go to like, oh, it must be hoarders. It must be awful. No, it could be neatly packed away and it can hold and represent trauma and past relationships and past seasons and all of this stuff that just does not support who you are today or where you wanna go. And to get it together, you have to be committed to cleaning it out because clutter is the physical manifestation of chaos in your mind. Clutter is the physical manifestation of chaos in your mind. And so many of us 
keep asking ourselves the same questions over and over again and we're spiraling in these cycles of confusion. You're not confused. The answer's been presented to you. You can't see it. You just can't see it. You can't receive it yet, right? And so cleaning it up, I say this, any area in your life where you're feeling really stuck, I guarantee if you pay close attention, there is physical clutter associated with. If you feel like you have a block in your creativity, in your career, for example, guaranteed is something in that office that needs to be cleaned up, cleared out. If it's a health and wealth thing, look at your closet. Look at, look at your kitchen cabinets. Look at those drawers. You're not clear and free to do what you need to do because you move around letting your energy be zapped, right? Mm. So you know when you go to look for something and you can't find it, what do you do? You go, mm. Mm. You do that little thing, that little grunt, that little annoying like, uh, uh, uh. your energy is being zapped. The, by the time you do that all day, every day, 365 days a year, by the time you keep looking for your keys, your phone, all the stuff you misplace all day long over and over again, that's time that you could have used to start your business. That's time that you could have used to come up with a new marketing idea. That's time that you could have used to plot your way to that promotion. That's time that you could have used to really dive in and learn more about investing or whatever it is. Mm. Space will block you from creating the wealth that you really desire because it will drain your energy. And we, we all saw that with this pandemic. When you couldn't go anywhere else and you had to face that laundry that you didn't fold the last two weeks. Mm. <laughs> Right. When you were stuck at home on lockdown and you're like, I hate it here. I don't really like this. Then everything, everything started getting sold out. People were painting and changing toilets and remodeling kitchens. I know I did. Like, right? People were doing everything because you realize I'm in this house and the energy is not right. And I have to work and live and play and do everything I need to do in this space. Before the pandemic, we ignored it and we, we didn't pay attention to how much it really drained us. And when we got in that situation, all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, I have to do something. I have to get on this Zoom call. I better clean up my background, right? I better <laughs> add a plant, add something live in here. All of a sudden we became aware of how much space really impacts us, but it's always had, it's always had an impact way more than we give it credit. There's no way that I cannot include this next expert on this list of inspirational moments from 2021 and the value that this has as we move into 2022. And I'm talking about performance coach and best-selling author, Tim Grover. He's a personal trainer for the Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, the list goes on and on. We're talking about the elite superstars who, if we're just talking about competitive nature, if we're talking about resilience, if we're talking about accomplishments, I mean, it doesn't get any more remarkable than that. And in this clip, you're going to be learning why it's time for us to shift from getting ready to staying ready. And also the ingredients that enabled him to become the go-to personal trainer and coach for Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, and what you can glean from that. Plus why you need to go beyond just learning what to think and learn how to think. Check out this clip from the amazing Tim Grover. Always, <laughs> guarantee, we don't know what it is, 
but there's always going to be something. But it's just what you just we spoke about before we got this show on. You got to be ready before that thing happens. Too many people get that when that event happens, then they try to do everything and it's too late because you don't know what's going to be taken away from you. You have a chance, just like there's a win every single day. You have a chance to see those obstacles. You have a chance to see those, uh, understand those steps. Those are your wins. Those are your wins to be able to adjust to anything that's going to come, uh, that's going to come at you. It's like all my clients used to say, I practice so hard so the games are easy. So if you're constantly practicing every single day, when the next thing comes, it'll be easier. It's not going to be easy, but it'll be much easier to handle than other people who haven't practiced. Yeah. If anybody knows about that, it's you. <laughs> this is real. This is real. So really staying ready so you don't have to get ready. Yeah, it, exactly. And that's the simplest way to put it. That's yeah. the simplest way to put it. You can fine tune, but if you're always... If you're not ready, you're in trouble. You know what I really love about you, Tim, is that you don't sugarcoat things. There's, a, you know, there's no sunshine <laughs> and rainbows. There's no, you know, you make it clear that success and winning is within us. It is possible for us, but you also make it clear that most people are not going to do what's necessary. They are not going to do what's necessary. And so what, what, what for you enabled you to communicate this so bluntly and so honestly about how difficult winning really is. Well, you know what? It's just what you said. Everybody looks at the, the 30 seconds when a, a champion is standing on getting their goal, getting their medal, whatever it may be. All right. And everybody sees what you said. They see the sprinkles. They see the rainbows. They see the confetti. But what they don't understand what it took to get to that, what it took to get to that 30 seconds, right. what it took. Everybody looks at you, oh, oh, Sean, you're so healthy. But they don't understand the years and years it took for you to get this healthy and how it's a struggle. As fine-tuned as you are, there's still temptations out there. There's still, there's still temptations out there and being able to practice not to give into those temptations and the reason I came up with this book and I wanted not to sugarcoat it because people make winning and success as though it's so easy and it's not you know you see all these people that write these books that say you know five steps to greatness or it you know ten steps to weight loss or whatever it would be boy do we wish it was that easy Boy, do I wish it was that easy. Now, I work out enough, and I don't care what shape I'm in. When I got, if I, you told me right now to go run up and down those flights of stairs, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. So when people always say these steps, these steps, these steps, you got to understand those, there are no five steps. There are no 10 steps. Those steps are infinite. They're inf and they're constantly changing. They're constantly shifting. You don't know if that step is going to be there. You don't know if it's a right step. You don't know if it's a right step. Uh, excuse me, the wrong step. You don't know if it's going to shift on you. You don't know if you're going to step in some quicksand. And then you may climb all the way to the top and find out that's actually your beginning. Mm. That's your beginning. Like you haven't even started the climb. You're just like the, the first 
<laughs> infinite steps were just a test to see, hey, are you worthy to be in this race of winning? But people want the easiest way out. And listen, we're in a life where convenience sells quick. Quick. Because everybody wants it now. And we have that instant gratification. They want that dopamine hit. They want everything now. That's why health is so difficult for individuals because you can't see the results now. Just like your health, your body changes from the inside. All right, it changes from the inside and then your results so on the outside. Same thing with winning. The changes start from within and then winning will notice you on the outside. But everybody wants the other way around. You know, they want the fast cars. They, you know, they want the watches. They want the, shi they want the shiny stuff. They want all the stuff that you see on IG all the time. But nobody talks about what it takes to get those things consistently. You know, everybody wants to be in great shape. They want to be healthy. They want to live a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, you and I being in the fitness business, how many times you get individuals that say this, I'll do anything. But their definition of anything and your definition. Very of anything, different. It's, it's Very different. It's totally, like you're not even reading the same book. Yeah. And then you tell them, hey, this is what my definition of everything would be like gonna do that that's what this book about these are the things that the best of the best that i've known that i've worked with that i've spoken to that i've seen not only in sports but in corporate america ceos this is their language of winning the very first professional athlete that you work with is michael jordan yes most dominant player in really all sports you know arguably and my question for you and I really want to know this myself. What are the ingredients that you had within yourself, within Tim Grover, that put you in that room? And not only that, not only put you in the room, but enabled you to add so much to him to where he was able to take his game to another level. So this is interesting because... I went to, I have a master's degree in exercise science. My bachelor's is in kinesiology. So when I went to school, everything taught me what to think. All taught me what to think. This is the way the body works. This is the nutrition plan. Here's the body. This is, this is what's, what, what, what's going what's gonna to happen. I was always an individual that knew how to think. So it wasn't always about what I read. Sometimes it, you, just, you just know, you're just like, okay, this just looks right. This just feels the, the, way, the way it is. And when I started to talk to him, and he gave me a lot of things about like, okay, he said, this is what I want to do with my body. This is what I want to do. And I had never met the guy before. All right, and I was telling him, no, I said, no, this is the plan we need to go. Here it is. And I told him, I said, listen, I have no, if you ask me for research, I said, I have no research on this. I just know this is the, this is the right thing to do. And I said, you got you, you, you to trust me. On, you got to trust me on this. I just said, this is, not about how, this is not about what to think. This is about how to think. He said, I want to become, he goes, I want to become strong. I want to become a better athlete. I want to be able to dish out punishment. So he goes, I need to get bigger. I was like, well, 
let's address the injuries that you constantly have all the time. I said, if we can address the groin injuries, if we can address the hamstrings, if we can address the ankles injuries that, that persist all the time, all right, and we can alleviate those things, you're automatically going to become a better athlete. You're already going to be able to be more athletic. You're going to be able to run better. You're going to be able to jump higher. And when I started the program with him, what I would do is I would say, okay, on this side of the body, I want you to do this many reps with this amount of weight. And then on the other side of the body, we're going to do either less reps or more reps with a different set of weights. And he was like, I thought we were supposed to have equal weights on the side. Well, I said, Michael, through all the years that I've been watching you, you're left side dominant. These are the thing. This is the side that you use more. This is what's going to happen. So this is where the this is where the imbalance is. We need to focus in on this. I didn't read any books on that. Mm-hmm. It just made sense to me. Like you yeah. watch NASCAR, they constantly go left, left, mm-hmm. left, left turn, left turn. All right. I'm not a pit crew individual, but common sense tells me that if you're constantly turning left, the tires are not going to wear out the same. Yeah. They're not going to wear the same. So if you're constantly using one side more than using the other side, that side is going to wear out quicker. That side needs to be treated differently than the other side. It's like, sounds good to me. I'm like, it makes perfect, it makes perfect sense. And it worked. And it worked. So he gave me the ability not only to use my education, but also use my instincts, use my trust that other things that I felt were just right. And now research later, 10, 20, 30 years later comes out what I was guessing or what I knew back then people are, people are starting to do now. And I said, Michael, when you play the game, are you always out there thinking? He goes, no, I'm very rarely thinking. Exactly. Because if you're thinking, you're not in the moment. So what to think a lot makes you, forces you to think all the time. Mm. How to think is that you trust, you trust yourself. And you, need, and you need both of them. And that's what allowed me to open up the door and create something with an individual that played on how to think and not what to think. That's really, really powerful, Tim. You know, I had on, I don't know if you know Jim Quick. I do know Jim. Yeah, so he's, one of his big tenets is that in our education system, they teach you what to think and not how to think. And when he said that, it just spoke to me so much. And you saying that and reiterating, that's a a principle of reality for so many of us, but we don't realize it. So that's one ingredient. You really had this capacity of having the awareness of how to think and not just what to think. So that's one ingredient. But what other ingredients, because I know some folks are they have aspirations of being in, in that room, of being in situations where they can collide with greatness, where they can access their own greatness. What was another ingredient that you had that put you in that situation? Well, it was all the years of preparation to get to that point. The, everybody in life is going to get a opportunity or the opportunity. It's just what you said. Are you practicing every single day to make the games easier? When that game comes, are you practicing every single day? I practice every single day on my craft, tirelessly, endlessly. I did it over and over again. So when that opportunity came, whether it was for 30 minutes or it was for 30 seconds, 
whatever obstacle was going to be thrown in my way, I was going to win. I was going to win. And people talk about the grind. You know, it's like, oh. So, you know, everybody goes through. I went through the grind also. And this is another key important thing that I put about in winning. If you constantly grind something, what happens? It turns into dust. So people are always saying, man, I'm grinding, I'm grinding, I'm grinding. Well, what are you grinding? To f- what are you forming when you grind? What is that end result? So every time I practiced, every time I won, my grind was for a purpose. It was to form something that was going to get me to the next level. I just wasn't grinding just to grind, just to make my, you know, everybody, it's a way to sound like, man, you're working hard, man, I'm grinding. Well, what are you grinding for? What is the shape that you're trying to take in this grind? Winning wants to see the shape of what you're going to look like, what you're, what you're grinding for. When you, have an, a, a, when you have a party and people have these ice sculptures, it's a big old brick. You chisel away the things until you get the form that you want. When you're grinding for something, that's what you have to do. You have to grind away the unessentials to have whatever you're looking, whatever form you are looking for. And that was my practice every single day. So when I got that opportunity to win, I knew exactly what form I was in and what I could deliver. Tim Grover is the man who helped Michael Jordan go from this remarkable basketball player, just kind of standout talent, who is also getting beat up and beat down repeatedly by the Detroit Pistons, among other teams. And MJ was like, listen, I need to be able to dish it out and be able to take the punishment as well. I need to get stronger. I need to, I need to become more physically imposing, right? So Tim was just like, you know what? We can get to that, but first we've got to shore up the weak spots. We've got to make sure that you have the sustainability so that we can then add on to that. You know, a lot of us try to attack things at the level of where the symptom might be, where, the, where we see the expression of an issue instead of looking at the root cause and firming up the foundation. One of the other things that Tim did, of course, he had some cutting edge strategies with training, with exercise, with resistance training. But also, he was a massive proponent of right nutrition and right recovery as well for his elite athletes. And this is a time for us to make sure that we're shoring up our nutrition as we are really, in some form or fashion, we are life athletes out here. We're working to be competitive against all of the forces that may seek to oppress us, to hold us down, to keep us in a cognitive prison in a sense, to, to try and hold us back from our success. Be able to power through that stuff, but also of course, physically, mentally providing that fuel for us to be strong and resilient in an ever increasingly complex world. So here's the truth. Over the span of recent decades, really over the span of the last century plus, we've seen this degradation taking place, rapid degradation, of our soil in which our food is grown. So even if we're eating high quality organic foods, the soil simply does not have the nutrient infusion that it once did. And so this is where we need to sure things up. Of course, let's make sure that we're eating real whole foods because it's still going to be far superior than 
the hyperpalatable fake processed foods that have become the majority of our diet for the average person here in the United States. So already we're going to be exceeding that. But this is a time to add that extra layer of insurance here. And for me, this is why I'm a huge proponent and I encourage everybody to get themselves a green superfood concentrate. This is a way to make sure that we're getting our vitamins, minerals, trace minerals, antioxidants, enzymes, but in a way that is coming from real whole food sources versus the synthetic, quote, multivitamin that, you know, just for years have been taking advantage of folks and not really providing that much value. Again, countless people have been taking multivitamins over the years, and we still have been in this very terrible state of health. It's not really plugging up these holes in the ship as it might look. We want to start with a real whole food diet, healthy movement, high quality rest, stress management, all the foundational pieces, and then sure things up with real superfood concentrates. And so I don't use the term superfood lightly in the slightest. It has to be something that is so far superior to the average food that it can actually put a cape on and get this title for me. And one of those superfoods is spirulina. It's one of the most nutrient-dense foods ever discovered. It's also the most protein-dense food ever discovered. It's upwards of about 70% protein by weight. Right? So it's absolutely abundant in amino acids needed to build our neurotransmitters, our hormones, our muscle tissue, our brain cells. The list goes on and on. These amino acids are very, very important. But in addition to that, a study published in the Journal of the Science of Food and Agriculture revealed that just a small amount of spirulina each day was able to significantly reduce triglycerides and improve the overall cholesterol ratio of study participants during a three-month study period. In fact, utilizing spirulina was able to reduce triglycerides by 16.3%. We know that triglycerides, high triglycerides, are a massive indicator of heart disease risk, of heart attack risk. This is something for us to pay more attention to. What else can it do? It's also rich in a very rare nutrient called phycocyanin. It's been found to help to stimulate the creation of new stem cells, something called stem cell genesis. And stem cells literally become everything that the body needs. So whether it's new liver cells, new heart cells, new muscle cells, the root of our cells being birthed and providing this kind of bank of potential cell development, the very root of this is our stem cells. So again, another reason why it's remarkable. And this is just one of the hallmark ingredients in the Organifi Green Superfood Blend, the Organifi Green Juice Blend, all organic, cold processed, so you retain the incredible nutrients that are found within these superfoods. Another superfood that's in there that I don't talk about often, but I absolutely love is Moringa. According to a study published in Frontiers in Pharmacology, this renowned plant used for both food and medicine for thousands of years is clinically proven as an effective treatment for chronic hyperglycemia, cholesterol-related dyslipidemia, and also has been found to help reduce cardiovascular disease risk. Both of these incredible ingredients are in the Organifi Green Juice Formula. Pop over there, check them out. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. You're going to get 20% off their amazing green juice formula, and every one of their incredible superfood blends. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model for 20% off. Now let's move on to our next incredible segment here in this compilation of inspiration as we head into 2022. 
This is one of my favorite moments. Top five for me. Top five favorite moments of the year. This was with the incredible, world-renowned motivational speaker and author, Inky Johnson. Inky's story just will blow you away. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely bookmark that one to go and listen to right after you finish this compilation today. It's just remarkable. He was on his way to being a first-round draft pick in the NFL, finishing out his season in college at Tennessee, and suffered this freak accident, this devastating injury. He almost died, and he lost the use of his arm. It's essentially paralyzed. He does have some muscle conductivity there now, you know, some nerve conductivity, you know, to where he still has the arm present, but as far as him being able to use his arm, it would be looked at like a disability, but he's turned this into a superpower. And he's become a voice who is out there speaking to all of these college programs, these major league programs. He's one of the top guys that folks are seeking out to help their players' mentality so they can take things to another level. And we had the honor of having him here on the show. In this clip, he's going to be sharing how cultivating a new mindset when it comes to adversity is a major key. And also, he's going to be talking about trusting the process. Every great person throughout history has had to cultivate a faith that would help to push them forward despite adversity, whether it's a strong faith in their family or support system, a faith in a higher power, or a strong faith in themselves to be able to rise to the occasion. So trusting the process is a key ingredient as we move into 2022. Let's jump into this clip from the remarkable Inky Johnson. I'm so thankful, Sean, by the way I grew up, right, with the opposition and adversity, even though, man, that was the best time of my life in terms of my childhood, even though I had challenges. But I'm so grateful for my mother and the people and the influences, whether it be coaches, uncles, my father when he came in my life. Like, nobody ever let me make excuses, starting with my mother. And so even if we were going through something, I'll never forget the day my mom told me, like, hey, Ink, the world don't owe you nothing, right? I'll never forget the day like I had four touchdowns in a game, right? And I'm excited and I get in the car with my mom and I'm like, man, I just hit them boys for four of them, right? And that Monday when she was dropping me off, like she didn't even make mention of it. It was almost like, all right, that was cool. But the day when you go back to work, handle your business, show up, work hard. You got to prove yourself every day. And so my mentality, I never knew how to quit. Like, I never knew how to stop because I never had that liberty. And so when you talk mental toughness, when you talk perseverance, when you talk resilience, I think it's everything. But I think oftentimes when we do sports or when we do extracurricular, we think it's a separate mentality. We think if I quit when it gets tough in a sport, that's just a sport. No, that's the mentality we're cultivating for life. And I think the edge that I've always had in terms of when it came to opposition and adversity I understood the mentality that I was cultivating. This is for my life. This is the individual. This is the man that I'm one, one day going to become. And so when I would tell a teammate, hey, bro, you can't give up in wind sprints. It's a wind sprint. They would be like, it's a wind sprint. I'm like, no, it's a wind sprint. They're like, it's a wind sprint. I'm like, no, like that's life. If you quit in a controlled environment and it's a wind sprint, what do you think one day you're going to do when life punches you in your mouth? You're going to quit. 
right? And so we got to press forward because of the mentality that we're cultivating and mental toughness is everything. But understanding that it's not a dual mentality, even if it comes to corporate, our marriage, our relationship with our children, whatever the case may be. Every single day we're cultivating the spirit and the mentality when it comes to opposition, adversity and challenges. And I firmly believe if we can find room to be grateful for it, we can extract a lesson from it. If we can extract a lesson from it, we can learn from it. If we can learn from it, we can take it and apply it to every environment we go into or person's life that we come in contact with to serve as a source of value. And so when I encounter something that I don't like or don't feel good, I always think about it in terms of the ability to learn is a gift, right? Even if pain is our teacher. I had never been so confused in my life, right? Because I'm the type of person, I like to be intentional. I like to try to, you know, plan out the next steps. And when I can no longer play ball, I'm trying to find purpose. So I'm just trying to plan it out. All right, I can't play, I'm a coach. And the creator was like, no, bro, like you don't get it. Like, let go. Like, let go of the will now. You've been trying to control things too much. Like, are you not aware you planned out from 7 until 20 years old to make it to the NFL and it still didn't happen? Like, is that not confirmation to let go of the will? Ain't you still trying to plan stuff? And I was at a point in my life, Sean, where I had just moved back to Atlanta. And I was two blocks away from where I grew up in a two-bedroom home with 14 people. And I couldn't understand how my life had taken me and the creator had taken me from that two-bedroom home with 14 people to the University of Tennessee, eating steak and shrimp, pregame, all the resources in the world, eight games away from the NFL, career-ending injury to bring me right back to the same neighborhood, two blocks away to my wife's grandmother's home, and my daughter sleeping in a wagon that somebody bought her for a birthday. Like, I'm like, man, I went through all that to come right back? Like, why didn't you even take me there? Like, I couldn't understand it. But my whole life, I felt as if the creator had a plan for me. Like, I felt as if, man, like, I'm going to be the one. Like, God's going to do something special with my life, right? That's why I went back to my high school. It wasn't just off my belief. I felt as if, man, the creator got something for me, man. Like, I'm going to be the one in my family. Like, God got me, man. And that was the first time I felt like, hey, God, you still, you still hear me, man? Like, you still rocking with me? Right? Like, I know this past year and a half, some people probably feel like, man, like, God, like, you still, you still there? Like, I had never felt like that before. And so I had just finished my book, my autobiography, and I wrote it because I'm a journal. I journal a lot, right? But I wrote it because my grandmother, I wanted to get it to my grandmother. It was something big. And that was the only thing I had. And I was like, I was getting up every day, Sean. I would go to different places in Atlanta and try to get a job. People would just say different things. Ah, overqualified, this, that. And I was thinking like, maybe they see my arm. It's cool. I get it. And I get up one day and I look at my wife and she was a teacher at the time. And she was getting dressed. My wife had taught for 11 years. And she say, um, how you doing? I was like, babe, I'm about to go meet Oprah. And she was like, Ink, you know Oprah? And my wife, I knew you her whole life, right? <laughs> and I was like, nah. And she was like, you know anybody at the studio, Harpo? I was like, nah. And she was like, you sure about this? And I was like, yes, ma'am. She was like, go for it. And I took off, man, driving. I get to Chattanooga, call my buddy Jeff, who's an attorney. Jeff picks up. I'm like, Jeff, I'm about to go meet Oprah. And Jeff was like, Ink, I know how ambitious you are. 
hang up the phone, call me back when you get to Knoxville. Chances of that happening, slim to none. I don't want you to be too disappointed. Call him when I get to Knox. He picks up. He said, you're still going, aren't you? I was like, yeah. He's like, pick me up, man. I'm going to ride with you. Get to Chicago. Jeff pays for us a room. Next morning, I get up. We go over to Harpo. This is when our last shows were happening. And um, I get out. And Jeff was like, man, I'm going to go up the street to his little shop. I'll see you in a minute. I'm sure this won't be long. And so it was just people outside the building. And Sean, I kid you not, I was just walking with a book, big suit. And whenever I would see a door open, I would just run over to the door. Hey, I'm Inky Johnson. Drove up from Atlanta. I want to give open my book. And I was like, hey, man, get out of here. We don't do that, man. And I'm like, man, y'all rude. I thought y'all give away cars, man. Like, I got a book. <laughs> right. right? And they were just doing their job, right. right? And I got so discouraged, man. And everybody had went in for the show. And I sit down on the sidewalk with a guy. He looked to be homeless. And I said, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, I'm great. He's like, how are you? I was like, man, I've seen better days. The irony of the situation, right? And I look up, and coming down the sidewalk was opening a security guard. And I get up, and I start walking toward him. And I'm like, I'm going to just take my shot. And surely, I'm thinking, security's going to come up, move me out of the way. I'm still take my shot. And as I'm getting closer, they're getting closer. And they get, like, right in front of me. And I was like, hey, I'm Inky Johnson, drove up from Atlanta. I just want to give you my book. She took the book, and she grabbed my suit, and she shook it. She's like, nice suit, right? I think she was trying to see if I had some in it, right? I just had a plain <laughs> little black suit or whatever. And I was like, thank you. I was like, you mind? I want to take a picture with you. Like, sure. And we took a picture. She's like, I got to get in and do my show. And so I was like, thank you. And so as I was walking off, her security guard said, hey, little man, come here. And so I come back over to him. He was like, um, I'm not saying anything is going to come of that. He was like, I just want you to know what just happened never happens. He was like, usually she'll tell me, hey, go move him out of the way. Or they'll send it somewhere. She'll never get it. I'm not saying you're going to be on a book club. I'm not saying any of that. I just want you to know the interaction you just had never happens. I was like, thank you so much, man. And I go to walk off and I got the picture. Put it up on Facebook. Send it to friend, family, friends. Everybody's hitting me like, bro, you met Oprah, you gonna be on a show? Right? You gonna be on a book club? I was like, I don't know, man, I don't care. It was like, what you mean you don't know, you don't care? I was like, that moment wasn't about that for me. Hmm. It was like, what was it about? I was like, bro, I needed to know God was still walking with me. Right? And so for me, as great as the picture was, as great as the encounter was, and nothing came of it in terms of Oprah. Nothing came of it. No book club, no show, but everything came of it. My belief, my faith was fortified, right? I said in Atlanta, Georgia, all right, God, I'm going to see. I'm going to leave Atlanta and go to Chicago to try to meet one of the most prominent people in the world, right? That's how crazy my faith was. That's how much I believed in the creator, right? Are you still listening to me? I think you are, but let's see. This is how insane my faith is, right? I'm going to go to Chicago and say I'm meeting Oprah. Everybody's going to tell me, don't go, don't do it. But I trust you enough, and I think you still hear me. Let's do it. And I went, and he put me front and center and put the book in her hand and took a picture with her. And so when I walked off, I was like, God, let's go. We can conquer the world, man. Let's go. Like, that was the most powerful moment 
in my life because I was about to lose hope, man. Because my conditions and my circumstances, they didn't reflect the picture that I saw for my life. And running the anchor today in this inspiration compilation as we move into 2022 is somebody who was actually a track star when she was in high school. But today she's much more well known for being a best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author, and one of the greatest speakers in the world today, talking about Lisa Nichols. Lisa is one of my all-time favorite people as well. Uh, when we get together, magic happens. It's just remarkable. I've done, had, had the great honor of doing some work for her and her programs as well. And just always just really fills me up to be able to spend time with her and to be able to glean some of the inspiration and wisdom that, you know, again, there are very few people on the planet who's made the impact that she has coming from the place that she comes from. And so in this clip, she's going to be sharing with you the critical distinction of keeping score versus keeping track and a powerful way to reframe things to take control of your time in this new year and beyond. Check out this clip from New York Times bestselling author, Lisa Nichols. So number one, recognize if you're keeping score. Are you keeping track? Keeping score, let me tell you the distinction. Keeping score is collecting evidence on why it won't work in your future. And many people are making decisions about their future, business, relationship, friendship, health and wellness, based on keeping score. They're collecting evidence on why it won't work, why it's hard. I might get hurt. I, 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 I've tried diets before and they didn't work. I, so you're collecting evidence on why it won't work. Keeping track, notice this distinction, super important to notice this distinction. Keeping, uh, keeping score is collecting evidence on why it won't work. Keeping track is taking notes of what path landed you where. It's just what path landed you where. When I eat at night after 10, I have a harder time losing weight or releasing weight. When I go to sleep after midnight, this is me all the time. So I went to bed early last night. I was happy because when I go to bed after midnight, it impacts how I spring into my next day. Now, I used to stay up late at night because it was quiet and my brain could think and I could write. But what I realize is when I keep track of what happens the next day, I need to get in bed earlier and just ask everyone to give me an hour of quiet time at nine o'clock versus waiting to their sleep at midnight. That's keeping track. Keeping track is actually looking at where a path has led you in the past in relationships. Um, if you rush into relationship because you feel all those endorphins and you feel the exchange, but you notice that you've done that in the past and then it ended up you didn't have a friendship. A relationship is a friendship expanded. Ah, took me a while to learn that. Like, hello. Like, I don't care how fine they are. I don't care how sexy they are. I don't care how brilliant they are. And I don't even care how ready they are. Hmm. My, keeping track shows me that in order for me to have a great relationship, I have to first have a great friendship. Track only taught me that. Keeping score would say I can't trust them. They're no good. They hurt me. That's keeping score and collecting evidence on why it won't work. And so that's the distinction. And oftentimes, Sean, most people are, are collecting evidence uh, and keeping score than they are keeping track.
I cannot let you go without asking you these two things. So number one, what you're talking about right now requires some time and energy to work on yourself, to develop that self-love and self-care. In my clinical practice, that was the number one reason people would give for not taking care of themselves, not exercising, whatever the case might be. I don't have the time. So can you speak to that? What, what advice can you give for folks who are in that paradigm that they don't have the time and they're seeing that as a challenge from getting from where they are to where they want to be? I'm going to ask you a question. Now, I'm going to say this in love from a woman who spent 19 years over 210 pounds, five years over 220. So I don't say it from a place of judgment. I didn't even know clavicles existed until five. <laughs> I was like, clava who? Clava what? Clava where? That's, the, that's this little part right here. I heard it's supposed to hold a cup of water and when you're doing good. But anyway, I'm going to ask you this when you say you don't have enough time. I'm going to say, you know, tomorrow you're going to get 24 hours in the day. You know that, you know, you're not going to get 23. You know, you won't get 25. So my question to you, sister, my question to you, brother, is when will you love you enough to give yourself just one of the 24? You don't run out of time. You simply allocated all your time to someone that you put in front of you. I'm going to follow it with this statement. I say it in love. You will always, as a leader, as a game changer, as a gladiator, you will always have a long line of people waiting to be served by you. You will always. People will knock down your door to get in your line. Here is my question. When will you put yourself at the front of your own line? And I say that because it took a doctor telling me. I was in Utah. My doctor called me on Zoom and said, you are morbidly obese. You're over 220 pounds. You have, you have severe sleep apnea and you travel over 258 days out the year. And when other people go to work to sit down to work, you go to work and get on stage and push out the little energy that you have from your sleep deprived body. Lisa, it's not a matter of if you're going to have a heart attack. It's a matter of when will you have it and where will you be? The doctor went on to say, Will you be on stage in front of your audience? Will you be in the air on a plane? Will you be at home in front of your son, Jelani? Or will you be in a hotel room by yourself? I thought she was cruel. I thought she was cruel to make me have that kind of fear. And then she followed it with this. She said, the only reason why I'm saying this to you this way is because I've sat in your audience and I've experienced your gift. And I need to disrupt you enough to be radical. And so I, I'm not disrupting you or poking you for the sake of doing it. It's because someone is ready to be blessed by your gift. Someone is ready to be touched by your soul. Someone's ready. And until you handle the self-care, until you prioritize you, until you move to the front of your own line the way I had to do, you won't be able to give the world the all of you that you know 
you're to do. And my grandmother just transitioned. And my grandmother would say, baby, when you get my age, she was 92 years and, and, and nine months when she uh, transitioned, laid down to rest in peace. And she's resting in peace because she played full out. She said, baby, when you get my age, you're supposed to sit in your favorite rocking chair. And I bought granny a good rocking chair, y'all. And you're supposed to share the stories of your life. She said, but baby, when you're your age, you're supposed to do one thing, do everything in your power to make sure that the story is going to be good to share. You are protecting your future memories of yourself. Me being radical about my health, you getting radical about your health, you becoming non-negotiable about your health is about protecting your future memories about yourself. That when you sit in that rocking chair, you want to look back and say, I played full out for me first. And then I served everybody else from my overflow. That's your job. That every day, that's your job. Every day, that's your job. And allow us to witness and be the beneficiaries of you playing full out. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. This is something to share with the people that you care about. You can share this out on social media. And of course, you can tag me. I'm at Sean Model on Instagram and Twitter. Just take a screenshot of the episode and share it out. And also, of course, you could send this directly from the podcast app that you're listening on. And of course, you could send this directly as a text message to folks. You can just send the link directly to folks and share the inspiration. Listen, now when I say that 2022 is going to be the most remarkable year for the Model Health Show and our powerful community, this is not an exaggeration. We've got some of the most remarkable masterclasses lined up and world-changing guests as well. So be ready. We've got a great year ahead of us. Take what you learned today, apply it in your life, and let's keep this momentum rolling. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.